Hello, Jonathan. Hello, Mary. How are you? <laughs> oh, I'm great. Am I? How are you? Cancer season. <laughs> <laughs> Cancer all the, season. All of the feelings. Mm-hmm. So, where, yeah, should we just like go off on cancer? I think so. That's a good place to start, I think, because it seems to elicit a response. There's something about cancer season or thinking about cancer season that I think divides, don't you think? There's kind of like this two sets of experiences that I've been hearing. Like people are like, I am so in my feels or people are like, what are you talking about? I'm so great. Or like people just disconnect, actually. Like this is the Mm. time of the year too, where I'm noticing people kind of, you know, metaphorically taking off their car and the train and then just like going off, you know? And like some people Mm -hmm. are just unreachable. You don't know what's happening with them, but like summer is here. So yeah, in the the Northern hemisphere. (laughs) 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 I need to always say that. I know. I do appreciate that having, uh, been with a lot of southern hemisphere people a month or so ago it really mm. um it made me think about that differently and yeah. um anyway there's like a whole train of thought about ontology going there but like i want to rein it in rein it into cancer um yeah i think there's something with like even if you know you and i aren't in school in like the traditional sense but there is this feeling of like school's out for summer and then Mm. you just like let loose from this feeling of like built up like okay we crossed the finish line and then I do kind of feel like that need to retreat for myself I don't know if that's your experience as we are both um Jupiter and Cancer Chiron and Cancer people Mm. um yeah, thoughts on that. Yeah. I think so. For me, it's maybe less happening on like a logistical level, but it's definitely mm-hmm. more on an energetic level. I was telling you this in a voice memo the other day, but I think what I'm also beginning to realize is how fucking ferocious cancer is and mm. how fucking unhinged cancer can be <laughs> as an archetype. And so you know, this is just to rub it in the face for those who think, oh, you know, cancer is like the mother, you know, sweet, which I think it's can be very true. But then but mothers can also be really protective and ferocious, as you off. said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like baby bear, like protect the baby bear. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I don't know. I think I've just been feeling the duality of that like this particular cancer season specifically I noticed myself really wanting to offer and extend care when that feels appropriate for me and when it's the people that I want to do that with and then there are other times that I really like would go to war and I'm like who is this person you know I don't know who this person is but I think that's cancer season I think that's also you know, my natal Jupiter and Chiron in Cancer. I think that's also where I'm at in my path right now. Mm-hmm. There's more of like me going off. And I think just giving a little bit less fuck about it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It makes me think about a conversation I had with Leah Garza at some point um, about the times that we like go off and how... um 
Like I, I will have this tendency to be like, oh, I should like rein it in so that I don't add to like it's like it's not helpful to just be a jerk and like mm. lose your shit on somebody. Mm-hmm. But I remember her saying something to me about like these views that we have of like it's just like a moral judgment of like if I don't you know say the right language like I'm trying to remember how how it went exactly but just this thing of like if I start swearing or like insult somebody it's like that's not actually like bad or good but we have these assumptions that are like totally socialized in us like oh I can't just like lose my shit and like let it out and um yeah, the ways that like you're kind of like protecting people from mm. your expression. Mm-hmm. And maybe there's something like for me where like cancer is opposite like the Capricorn Mercury that I have. And so there's this tension always with cancer and Capricorn. I mean, all the Capricorn planets that you have, it's not mm-hmm. just the Mercury, I would say. Yeah, um, but well, and and like, because you and I have been talking, of course, always about like Mars and Capricorn yeah. and how <laughs> like, I think there is something about like that uh, ferociousness that it, it's that um, it comes out, but then you're like, then applying the gas with the Mars in Capricorn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, just for context for those who are astrologically minded, and if you're not, you can just grab your nachos and come back in <laughs> two minutes. <laughs> but Mary and I were born, like what, Mary? A month apart? Yeah, almost mm-hmm. exactly a month apart. I think almost mm-hmm. like to the day. Um, and so in terms of our astrology birth charts, we're very similar. We're both Earth risings like placements of the planets are very similar. And so we both have Jupiter and Chiron in Cancer. And then we also have Saturn and Mars in Capricorn, like opposite that sign. And then you have Mercury in Capricorn. Mm-hmm. And the then there's yeah. also like with our um, composite chart mm-hmm. that we also become a Cancer rising. So there is this like, it's so present within us. And I guess, you know, the the thing you were saying about ferocious and making me think about the claws coming out and uh-huh. how, like, even yesterday, I started voice messaging you and was crying. And I was like, I just want to delete this, but I'm not going to. And there's this, like, again, that thing of, like, let me retreat back into my own self, but also I can't help it because I've just, like, let myself surrender to the emotions that are running through. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> there is a time and a place for that. <laughs> you know, it's making me think of do you remember Chairlift? There's this band. Uh it's a millennial band for sure. Like I remember they were very famous uh during um like the early 2010s towards like early 2020s um i i was a huge fan so the the singer the the lead singer for chairlift is actually um caroline polachek i don't know if you know caroline polachek but um she now has a pretty like robust solo career but yeah 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 okay yeah and she's the um i call her the 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 yodel girl um and she has a song, or not, I guess they have a song, um, as chairlift because it was with a band member, 
um, called Crying in Public. And I feel like that's a very cancer song. So, you know, mm. I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna link that on the show notes. Yeah, that's a nice <laughs> aside to bring in. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. It's making me think also about like this very quintessential New York experience of like you go into the subway and the subway is like absolutely hands down the best place to cry because nobody's going to bother you. You know, like you're going to, you're not going to have like a nosy auntie coming up to you and be like, Hey, are you okay? Like you can just like go off on the mm-hmm. subway, you know, cause mm-hmm. people have seen way crazier things. Yeah. So, I feel like that on planes. Like I, I mm, always cry on planes. Me too. Me too. I don't know what it is. I don't think it's purely emotional. I think there's something about the physiological experience of like being lifted off the ground so yeah, high. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, we shouldn't get so removed from the fact that it's pretty fucking magical. We're just soaring through the air at a crazy speed and totally. getting transported in, you know, maybe there's also that. Yeah. Yeah. The transportational <laughs> aspect. Hey, how was your travels, Mary? I don't think oh we ever gosh. talked about it on the podcast. However much you we want haven't... to talk about. Mm-mm. Um. Yeah, it's, I, hmm, how can I sum that up? It was transporting. Um, Let's see. Uh, I feel like it was very good. <laughs> um, I've genuinely been surprised, like, when I look back and tell people what happened about, like, Mm -hmm. going to these hometowns that my great-grandparents came from on the border of Austria and Hungary, um, that, like, I was able to find family who were still there that we weren't sure about. And so there's, like, the ways that it all fell into place and the ways that, um, you know, it was kind of just, like waiting for me in a way like I always knew I I wanted to do that and then it worked out so well I was like huh you know like those reminders Mm. of the things that like when you I almost like didn't want to build it up in my head or have expectations around it yeah but then just like putting myself in that position to like be exactly where I needed to be to like learn the things that I learned um Mm. I guess there's it may it makes me think a lot about like just showing up to what can reveal itself to you, but you also have to like put yourself in a position to receive. And yeah, like there's just a lot of times that we can inhibit ourselves and not I'm not saying that everybody needs to like go travel to their ancestral homelands or maybe you do. Um <clears throat> but for me it felt like one example of like that reminder of just being open to what will unfold and not like just holding on to it loosely and that generally when you do that you'll be pleasantly surprised mm-hmm. if you can let yourself um in a way it's that surrender of like cancer waters too is just like letting it go where it takes you yeah this is all making me think about how cancer is often associated with like ancestral or like primordial waters. And mm. 
how I think for so many of us who are, I don't know, I, I think this may be more common in like the subset of the population that's interested in like healing modalities or like healing processes where a lot of us feel some sort of uh, feeling rejected or feeling uh, apart from or feeling distant from like our birth family or like the place we were born like there's some aspect of an early part of our experience that feels that makes us feel like we're not welcome you know like I think this Mm. um, black sheep archetype is actually really alive in most people that I found through doing this work and through doing this learning and I think it's been very nice for me to you know thinking about my cancer in the 11th house of like shared hopes and dreams, it has been really nice to like, for example, be in a Zoomiverse, you know, and like meet people like you, right? Like we don't have uh-huh. to be physically together to meet people who are, who resonate with us on a deeper level. Uh-huh. But also I think the need to belong to the family is a very ancient and essential need like I'm talking about essential in terms of like it's part of our essence you know it's part of our uh part of the 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 I don't know how do you explain this Mary it's like the need that makes up who we are as humans is I guess how I would say it yeah and it seems like um it's so funny because as soon as you said like how do I explain that I'm like everything just went out the window it is like the thing that can't be explained because it's yeah. just something that like when you have it you know and when mm. you don't you also feel that like mm. separation from it well and and there's the sense of like we're just remembering what has always been there and what is always present like if yeah. we forget that we are surrounded by countless unseen beings who support us like that's on us in a way Mm -hmm. (laughs) and if you if you open yourself up to remembering that like support and care are always there you will also experience that and the times that you forget um it doesn't actually mean that you're not that you're feeling feelings aren't valid or that your feelings aren't real around it Mm. but you've just like been clouded by some filter that inhibits you from experiencing that connection yes 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 and I think a lot of the times when you are not able to find maybe a sense of belonging within the immediate family or like the immediate environment that you have I think it can feel really scary to go further back and to think about like, oh, my ancestors, you know, like what if I also don't belong with them? But I think Mm. often people find that um, in doing that work that actually either your ancestors have always been within you, which I think I firmly believe that, or Mm -hmm. there's all this other universe that's available, which is, I think, I mean, I'm paraphrasing here, but it seems to me like that's what that was your experience. You met all these people that you were like, hot oh, damn, you know, they exist. Yeah. Yeah. And and that they were genuinely like I didn't I didn't want to have expectations around their feelings about meeting me if these people existed. And because they existed 
and because they then actually like wanted to get to know me because you know the now dozens of descendants of people who came from this group of siblings who who went to the states it's like um for them we were also that like void of unknown possibility and me showing up as just this random person for the first time in like 50 years since anybody had heard from the family in the states it's also very disorienting to learn that you don't know how to like pronounce your own last name is hilarious (laughs) i mean i knew we didn't pronounce it right because german does not sound like the way that we say shook for my last Mm -hmm. name Mm -hmm. but when uh when you're just like, what is that? Like that in itself is a very fascinating experience because you're like, what even am I? I literally don't know my name. I'm 33 and don't know how to say my own last name. That's hilarious. Wow. <laughs> it's like when you ask a toddler, like, okay, and how do you say this person? How do you say that person's name? It's like, I don't even know. Yeah. Yeah. And it yeah. kind of doesn't matter. Right. It's all made up. Right. <laughs> I want to go back for a second to what you were saying earlier because it gave me like whole body chills hearing that. Like, I think specifically what you were saying about how for the um, relatives who stay on in Europe for you, that your family who went to the US like emigrated to the US, you guys were also like the missing piece, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's so, this is so crazy, Mary, because it's reminding me, did you watch uh, White Lotus season two? Not season two. I saw the first one. Ah, But so I do two, need to watch it because aren't I think they now in you Sicily? Should watch it. I think now you should I watch had, it. Now I have family in Sicily too. So I have to figure that whole shit out, which is another, it's another podcast. <laughs> I would say, you know, since you've been through this experience and this experience was like pleasant, it sounds to me like it was pleasantly or surprisingly pleasant, you know, mm-hmm. you should watch that that um, that episode or that season rather, because I guess, can I give a little bit of a spoiler? Fine. You have no um, idea how generous a gift it is that I will allow such a thing, but give it to me. <laughs> um basically or should like, you just leave it vague oh god it's fine sorry i'll just on. i'll just say this one thread but it's like basically um one of the families within because white lotus the premise is that there are always like these couples and these families right like there are these distinct units that at the end they somehow entangle themselves and then it becomes like a huge shit show like they were always a shit show but then mixed together it's like created the perfect storm right but basically one of the families was trying to visit their family in italy and then was just met with like this like big rejection you know like the the matriarch of the family is like who are you like i don't even know who you are get away from my house like that whole Mm. blow up and so Mm -hmm. it's it's really funny because it's making me think about like what is this saying about us and our collective unconscious and archetypes of the mother that rejects Mm. you know like it's making Mm -hmm. me think and, and specifically that scene right is so fascinating because like clearly you don't have an experience that resembles that at all 
<laughs> like clearly you went there and then you were embraced you know mm-hmm. and you had this really beautiful if maybe I don't know maybe some parts of it is also like strangely mundane of like oh look mm-hmm. at all these people who are connected to me and we're just yeah people, you know? yeah and like now I know what they look like okay yeah. check that off the list yeah exactly <laughs> and you were telling me about how one of your relatives kept like wanting to take the you know take the check whenever you mm-hmm. eat at restaurants like that's like such a sweet experience you know it's like I was like oh we what? just met stop it <laughs> yeah yeah and and what you're saying about um the mother that rejects that's again making me think about Chiron because I started telling you this before we started recording but I was reading a little bit about Chiron <clears throat> in this book um that's like a children's book about Greek myths yeah. and the there wasn't even that much about Chiron's story, but there were multiple examples of like this person um, who, you know, their parents dropped them off to Chiron, you know, and it was like Chiron, the wise teacher. And it was always this thing of like Chiron taught them to be blah, blah, blah. And then they were the best in all of the land. And mm-hmm. not that not that it's about becoming the best at something, but but there were. I just kind of like walked away from reading that with this impression of like when you can submit to Chiron as your teacher, which I don't like that word, but that's unfortunately the one that I have to use, submission, Um, (laughs) which is a different visual. I was more thinking the whole submit to your wives, submit to your husbands, shudder, (laughs) Um, and not a good shudder. Um, (laughs) Anyway. So Chiron, it's like, if you can be like, I've been separated from what I know, but I'm going to submit to this teacher, I can then achieve or grow or learn whatever it is, because I have like, accepted this reality of like separation from society or like needing to like deal with the wounding. Mm -hmm. And and that like in a way the the ways that the parents in those stories like gave up their child to Chiron as much as it's like oh you abandoned them mm-hmm. you also like gave them a chance at like something better that they wouldn't have happened had they not had that rejection and like severing yeah yeah exactly um it becomes part of your story I think you know like mm-hmm. and it becomes part of what you offer because this is something that was coming up in my work with one of my astrology teachers, Diana Rose Harper, where I came up to her for a tutoring session one time and we were talking about consultations and we were talking about how sometimes people come to your field and it's really easy to give them a reading or like to give them counsel for whatever it is that they came um, for. And then other times it's like really hard. Like, I don't know how to make the connection. I feel like I wasn't really helping them. I feel like they weren't really engaged. Like something was just lost, you know? And for me, strangely enough, that just so happens to, like a lot of, I've noticed that there's a strong enough pattern in the demographics of the people whom I feel like I am not equipped to help Mm. that it makes me start to wonder. Like, what is going on here? Maybe there's something here. Because they tend to be queer men in their, you know, late 20s, early 30s, mid 30s. And 
they they're usually like they usually identify as being gay and they usually have he him pronouns so i was like what is going on here <laughs> and then, there's a type there's a type and then she <laughs> said how much time do you spend sitting with that part of yourself and it was like boom <laughs> mm. boom you know and so um i don't know everything that you were saying about chiron just made me think about like how for me one of my deepest woundings was really like feeling rejected and bullied at school and like completely not understood and people putting these labels on me even though that wasn't the label that i would put on myself you know mm-hmm. and uh feeling like this loss of access to having a certain kind of experience like i i don't think after fourth grade i was able to have like a normal experience in school because i was always like on high alert worrying that people were going to say something about me or worrying mm. that i was going to be the next target you know and um I guess all of that is to say it's really fascinating how working with our Chiron stories and I think also working with our cancer stories can really help us be with sit with other people who are also having challenges you know in those intersections of experience right because mm-hmm. um the first person that you need to hold space for or the first person you're responsible maybe the only person you're responsible holding space for is yourself you know yeah yeah and if you haven't been willing to show up for whatever that thing is mm-hmm. then of course you're not going to be able to like have the capacity to be there for another person cuz they're also just like mirroring that point of like pain it's like you know pressing on a wound yeah and you're just like wait no that mirror is just a little too close to home <laughs> we <Yeah>. don't <laughs> And, and like, especially the times that you think like, oh, I don't like this person. And you're like, well, why, why don't you initially like this person? Because it probably has something to do with something you haven't come to terms with in your own self that you also don't have compassion for or grace for yourself around. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's interesting, like, because you've put yourself in a situation to to like intentionally hold space for people, you can start to see those limits of of these patterns where you're like, oh, check that off the list. I can really hold space for someone here or there. But then you're like, wait a minute, there's this whole section. And if you didn't repeatedly show up to being there for people, you would never know. And you, or like, or maybe you wouldn't like put it together in that same way. And so it also just kind of seems like the next iteration because there's like this whole um, like continuing chart of like the ways that you've begun to like express yourself as a person to Mm. to like have that capacity to be there for someone and this is so it's very hard to like explain this because it's so visual right now in my head but um yeah like if you're not willing to see those limits then also you won't really be able to like move beyond them and so mm-hmm. just the fact that you can notice that pattern is really really important mm-hmm. so good job thank you mary i really yeah. appreciate that yeah i think also for me a lot of it is like energetics you know like it's not even because i 
cognitively i'm like yeah i'm queer as fuck you know like there's mm-hmm. no problem with that like yeah dude what like i feel like the people who do matter in my life um accept or like celebrate that and the people who don't matter i don't give a fuck you know yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. you can do whatever you want but there is something about how for me specifically and i think this is the case for a lot of queer people um you know in in some shape or form there is kind of this energetics that's hidden and lodged somewhere within your body like that shame still exists or like you don't want to be in the body that you are you know Mm. but as I was telling you a couple days ago like I've been having this the weirdest June because June is pride month and I I've never been big into pride because I hate crowds but I think this was maybe the first pride that I was really internalizing like how fucking great it is for me to be in this body Mm. and to have the bodily desires that I have and to really be like no you know what like I'm gonna double down (laughs) yeah (laughs) like I'm gonna double down yeah it's funny because there's like those things that we think like oh I've come to terms with because it's no longer actively plaguing us but then it also doesn't mean that you've gotten to the point of like fully embracing it and just being like like just accepting that uh that's the way it is it's just kind of like no we're fine like it's kind of like uh you're just like roommates or something who don't talk and it doesn't mean that you actually have a good relationship it just means you've like learned to ignore one another Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's That's such a great that's such a great way to put it mary like yeah roommates who don't like talk to one another yeah that's that's perfect Mm -hmm. that's exactly how it felt like and i think i'm coming to this realization too of like oh like maybe i've only been inhabiting or embodying like 25 25 of this expression you know there's like Mm. still way more to come and it's a little scary i think expanding that capacity for expression because we don't know what's on the other side we yeah. just don't know, you know? <laughs> yeah. This this is reminding me of this conversation you and I have been having lately about trust. Because, mm-hmm. you know, when you first get into these kinds of things that you and I are into, I think initially it's like I just need to deal with like the most present pain that I, I like can no longer ignore. But mm-hmm. then when you're like, great, I've checked that off the list. I can move on. Often you will just find that there are other things you need to work through. And maybe it's it's funny because it's like if I look back, I can see there's all of this evidence that doing this has helped, like going into these learning spaces or these practices. Like I can see that there's obviously a correlation uh, from from engaging with this work. But I have this point now of being like, wait, but what if that was a one-off? Like, maybe it won't work this time for this particular problem I have. And it also reminds me, like, because yesterday I had, um, from our Akashic mentorship, I had a meeting with my pod with Leah. And, like, we were talking about um, the desire path and, like, following Mm. your desires and how, um, you know, the it's like all of this is evidence that we are already on the path, but sometimes it can feel like we're 
somehow separated from it because again Mm. it's like we just forget that we've already been here and like in those same ways like we forget that we have support we forget that like we've worked through as much as we have because you can only see the stuff that's like most oppressive in that moment Mm. Mm. exactly exactly yeah yeah and I think this whole thing about trust is also really interesting because I don't know I don't think trust is something that we've Hmm. I, I don't remember being a child and hearing like, oh, learn how to trust, except for like when it's used in really distorted terms, like in mm-hmm. religious settings, for example, like, no, you just need to trust more, you know, but yeah. other than that, I, I don't know, I feel like and even just that, right, like, even as I'm saying that the energetics of that is so punitive, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, the last Obey. thing you want to do when you hear someone say that is to trust. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about that this morning with like the word faith too, mm. that that's another word that I'm like, oh, I can't just look at that for what it is because it, it is so, so loaded with yeah. many Bible verses and <laughs> things that, um, it's not all bad, but it does feel like you said punitive in some way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe that's like the resistance to some of this uh, trust is the sense of um, I'm being forced to do this against my will, even mm-hmm. though I actually do want to do the thing that I want to do. It's like, mm-hmm. No, you can't make me. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like resistance is one of those things. Resistance has also been coming up a lot. And I think it's interesting to think about resistance as coupled with trust, you know, or like kind of juxtaposed with trust, because I think there's something about when I talk about resistance and when I talk about trust, I feel like what I often remind myself to trust is to trust in the unfolding and to trust in the search you know and to not feel Mm -hmm. like to not feel scared to to dig a little deeper like within myself um because often i think resistance itself is not in and of itself a bad thing but i think the resistance to like looking deeper can can keep us really stuck in like unnecessary cycles of suffering, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't yeah, know. What are it, your thoughts, Mary? <laughs> well, to bring it back to cancer, it's like making me think about when, I mean, we talk about the crab, but I'm much more familiar with the lobster molting. Um, mm. But the thing is that like it gets to this limit within its mm. own self that it's like I need to push out, but there is, it is going to be met with resistance, but pushing through that, means that you like come out uh, a new creation in Christ. Um, <laughs> um, and then you can sort of like, like, yeah, you're going to be really gooey and soft, but if you just like protect yourself, uh, you'll like harden up again and be able to protect yourself, but you have to go through that process. And, yeah. um, there was something about like, yeah, it's like 
the urge to like retreat into your own shell but you can't like it's like you're growing out of it because the fact that you notice it is Mm. a sign that you like are ready to move on to some next phase yeah 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 this is so interesting because it does feel to me like the moments where I am being propelled to the next stage I don't really have a choice you know like a conscious choice is not really part of the equation because um, you're just moving into like a new stage, you know, and you suddenly mm-hmm. find everything's different. Nothing really fits anymore. And it can be really scary because suddenly you're realizing like, oh, damn, like I'm not in, you know, to borrow the words of um, Dorothy and Wizard of Oz, like, oh, Toto, we're not in Kansas anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and, like, no matter how hard you try, you can't make it Kansas. Like, even if you try to convince yourself and, you know, build up a city around you that looks exactly like the yard you were in, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. And, and that, like, you don't actually want to go back to it. You just want to go back to the point that it's not difficult or something, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. like, Mm -hmm. I don't actually want to, like, I don't know, be how I was, you know, five years ago. Definitely not. But there were things about it that are just like, oh, I I at least was like blind to the Mm -hmm. to the feeling of like responsibility, maybe and like responsibility to, to just my own self. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah there can be this feeling of like oh those were simpler times you know but I I always wonder if that also is maybe this is me speaking as a mercurial person I always wonder if that's coming from a space of like hmm, not appreciating that each season of life has its own difficulty you know, and its mm. own trials and tribulations. And also there's something about the way that the the mental brain works, you know, like the, the intellectual mind works, because what's in the past is not as scary, even if it was maybe a really bad experience or a really scary experience, because you knew how it turned out, right? You know now how mm-hmm. it turned out. So when you go back, there's a certain level of certainty to it. Whereas the future, yeah. even if it's like the best thing ever, or can be the best thing ever, feels really scary. So this is really interesting, Mary, because it's actually taking me to another part of my existence, which is when I went to school um, for economics, we were taught that there was this study around like how humans behave in terms of uncertainty. I think this falls maybe into like the realm of like behavioral economics, where apparently there's a study where, you know, if you ask people to either you know, just take $5, right? Or roll a dice. And then if it's, you know, maybe above a certain number, they get like $20. And if it's below a certain number, they get nothing, right? Which actually, if you think about it, the average of that, like, let's say, you know, if you roll a dice and it's, you know, the dice is between one to six, right? If you get one to three, then you don't get anything. If you get four to six, you get uh. $20, right? Which means that there is actually, on average, 
you would say that the expected winning for that option is $10, right? Which is more than $5, but more people choose the certainty of $5. So I think it's really fascinating thinking about our brains and our being and as humans, how we are kind of, there is this design within us maybe innately to fear the uncertain, you know? And so I think this is part of why trust can be so hard because looking forward into this new chapter, like you don't know, like maybe this is going to be the best chapter of your life ever, you know, but you're always going to be walking into it with a little bit of trepidation because you don't know what's going to happen. And Mm -hmm. even if some part of you know that there's potential for incredible unfolding, right? There's also a part of you that's like, but what if it all goes to shit, you know? And I think that part battling with the part that sees the potential is like I don't know it's like a less pleasant experience than just being told like you're gonna get there you know like this is the ending yeah and I I guess I would wonder like in that example of the rolling the dice Mm. um how many people in that you know, 20, like whatever the relative thing would be $20 or like the the sense of like financial security or like the risk. Uh, like, so how do I explain this? Like if you've never experienced said incredible chapter of your life, like you mm. just have like been on this thing of like, I don't know, life is maybe like increasingly getting better or like I feel increasingly more like I have good friends and mm you know, a stable life and whatever, like whatever it is. But if you've never had that, then you're like, well, why would I give up that $5 if I really need that $5? So it's also like, how could I believe that there's actually something beyond this just like basic survival to you? Like that part is so hard. Yeah. Even though like the more time that goes on, the more I can be like, wow, like again, the friends is such a good example is like, I live in this inconvenient remote place, but there is a huge difference in the last few years of very meaningful relationships that have happened because of the internet. Mm-hmm. And so like, why should I believe that that's not also going to continue? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is actually taking me to a slightly different direction now, which I'm Good. curious to Let's go there. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. Because something I wonder about is, you know, we are three years into, you know, COVID being a thing. And I think what I'm starting to see is that our relationship to our online lives are starting to change a little bit. And I guess there's a part of me that's curious if you're also noticing that in the different communities that you're in. And... Yeah, any feelings that come up around that? Well, so what do you, I guess, do you have an example of like how that's shifted maybe for you or? I'm just going to speak about my own personal experience. So I definitely have hunches in terms of like, you know, looking at my one-on-one reading spaces versus looking at like group experiences that I've been holding. But I don't want to generalize because I don't know if that's true. I have a small like sample Um, and who's to say, you know, that if I feel a drop in engagement in the 
uh, spaces that I facilitate, like group spaces I facilitate, who's to say that that's not about me? <laughs> maybe that's about <laughs> me, right? Like maybe I'm just getting worse at doing this. <laughs> so or just... they've just had another door open to them and their chapter is going elsewhere. Which I have received that reflection, actually. Mm. I have had people say it's that. It's not always me. about you, Jonathan. It's not always about me. Actually, you know, I, I hope I can say this, but our dear friend uh, La mentioned to me the other day that um, in, in, in the class, you know, that they're kind of moving through this new phase of like really taking their, their um, magic to like... Um, physical body community so mm -hmm. yeah so I think that that is a real thing and I'm, I'm actually seeing that as like a pattern across with with other friends and colleagues and practitioners as well mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but that being said something I've noticed for myself is and this I think for me specifically as a Virgo rising has to do with Saturn going into Pisces in my seventh house where I become much more aware of like the containers I find myself in and needing deeper and greater clarity about like, what is the point of this container? And mm -hmm. wanting to show up accordingly based on the intent and the design of the container. Like it almost feels to me like in the, in the height of the pandemic, like let's say in 2021, right? Or even like somewhere early 2022, there is the sense of like, well, what else are we going to do? Like Zoom is it, you know, like, or our, our online lives are it, you know? And so there's more of an openness to come into a container, not fully knowing what this is going to be and like discovering together. But mm -hmm. I think now it's almost as like, if I'm going to spend my time online and not spend time, let's say outside or hanging out with a friend that I could call up who lives locally, then there needs to be a really strong reason for that, you know? Yeah, yeah. This is what I'm noticing. And and I'm just going to speak about my experience as a participant and not as someone who hosts these things because I think that's more complex. But as a participant, there's a part of me that's like, I want to know if this is more just like an info dump session, like if this is going to be a session where mm -hmm. the facilitators are going to talk then yeah. I don't have to have my camera on. I can walk around, you know, I can feel free. <laughs> but if my voice actually matters to whatever it is that we're creating, I want to know so I can be in an environment where I can plan for that to happen. Does this make sense? Yeah, yeah. Because I think initially, at least in my experience with like getting into more online communities during COVID, um, there was this feeling of like, we're all, really needing interactions outside of you know social media and mm -hmm. Netflix or whatever mm -hmm. um and so like that was just enough to be like oh good I like engaged with some people but then um you know like as time has gone on there's like people are just like less hungry for that kind of connection because you can like get that itch scratched elsewhere mm -hmm. and it doesn't mean that it's like necessarily bad but I I totally agree with you because I feel like um it especially when you can like um get to a point of being like oh I'll sign up for this thing and this thing and it will be like fun to have all of these different ways to engage but when it's also like but then I can go interact with people 
I don't need that to be what I get from online friendships or mm-hmm. online groups. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I I definitely know what you mean. And it hasn't like fully shifted for me yet in terms of like being less involved in online groups. Mm-hmm. But I do feel that because Saturn is in my, what, 11th house? 11th house, yeah. And so, well, Saturn is currently moving through my 11th house. And so I do feel that. And in the same way that it's like before, I felt very much like I want to be on camera. I really want to like interact. And and it is like what you said where you're like, oh, I could just be off camera. Yeah, that's fine. Mm-hmm. And I could still like get something out of this, but I don't feel like the need to energetically um like it's it's like taxing in a way to show up like that yeah. and i no longer have to do that because that's also not what i need anymore mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah i think that's a big one and it's interesting because i do feel like there's a part of me that really misses the level of deep engagement that happens when we're all just stuck inside and we're all just mm-hmm. you know zoom is our only option but i think i like to think about this as like entanglement right like somehow mm-hmm. the world outside of us is in a different space and it's calling us to different adventures and so how do we respond accordingly to that you know i've been thinking a lot about this is a complete paraphrase i don't even know if this is exactly what they said but you know, when we were in living systems, Leah Garza's class and bio present with us. <laughs> I know it's so present. I mean, Leah was you, our Leah. first guest. We love you, <laughs> Leah. Um, and I just remember like watching the replay of that conversation with bio Komolafe from a couple mm-hmm. months ago and just really feeling this, um, this tenet of his work, you know, or like the principles that he kind of lived by is this idea that it's more about how do we respond to this than like what is the right thing, right? Like what what ranges of responses are available to us rather than like what is the right answer, which I think mm. in the global West, in the Western philosophy, we're so focused on, like we're so focused on like, is this even the right thing? You know, like you see this mm-hmm. with like our current living systems cohort, like there's this feeling of like, um, like, is it even correct to be decolonial or is this mm-hmm. decolonial enough? Right. Or like, <laughs> are people actually inherently good? Like, There is that that push. And I think uh-huh. this is so important, Mary, because I don't I mean, frankly, like personally, I'm afraid of that energy. <laughs> but aside from my own personal feelings, I think this is really um important because mm-hmm. so this is something that okay so shout out to my dear friend uh joanne chen who actually is um i don't know I, do i go into this whole t- tirade why not so joanne and i actually met in music school she was my first friend in me in music school like in at manhattan Aww. school of music she was the first person i talked to like on the facebook group and then in person and then she ended up moving to bali and she's now a spiritual practitioner as well so I'll have her on my podcast at some point but she the other day she um, posted something on Instagram about how uh, like trash talk is actually a really intelligent way especially if embraced with intentionality to move energies within our system Mm. 
And this is something that I have, like, it was really singing. And this stayed for me for a while, Mary, because I was like, I don't think I'm, I'm one of those people who like, I don't know. I know that positive thinking gets a bad rep, but like, dude, I am like, I am a moon in Gemini, you know, ruled by um, Mercury in Pisces, ruled by Jupiter in Cancer. You know, I am, I do feel a lot better when I do positive thinking. <laughs> and so for me, it's been really interesting. And also I think maybe being a Virgo rising, you know, I've, I've noticed that when I'm in my complete, like, totally critical no filter at all like I'm I'm, my insights are not well received (laughs) people Mm. don't like to hear from me from that place but it doesn't mean that the message wasn't delivered and it's also more important for you to just get to say what you want true true I think there's something about being a Virgo rising that's where you're going I think being a Virgo rising too there's something about like we like to have a smooth experience. We like mm-hmm. to feel like, and you know, you probably can feel this too with our you know, mutual friend, Rebecca Paget. Like, I feel like whenever I leave a voice memo for Rebecca, I'm always like, why am I talking in such a sweet and grounded way? Like, this is something about her presence. That's like, you know, that story about the Buddha and like arrows, you know, turning into flowers. I feel like that's Rebecca. Anyways, Please. I feel like <laughs> when one like your mercury really embodies... and pisces took over <laughs> <laughs> um i feel like when one really like sits in that virgo energy there is that capacity you know there is that potential for like things mm. the arrows to be turned into flowers anyways mm. i also have mars and capricorn so that's something else too <laughs> um but, but what i was gonna say <laughs> What was I going to say? I got completely lost in all Well, of you started with bio. We went to your friend talking about trash talk, moving yeah. energy, yeah. arrows so, into flowers. Yeah. So this is what I wanted to say, that in us kind of practicing in safe spaces, uh, hopefully with intentionality, almost like the worst that Western ways of thinking and western ontologies uh can do right like thinking about like is this even the right thing you know like Mm -hmm. that to me is like part of us moving through uh detoxing from that way of being like almost like seeing how ugly it is in a space where we can be heard and we can feel seen and it can be safe for us to do that we can eventually, I think, with awareness and intentionality, see how self-defeating that is, because that is the coloniality within us. I don't know. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts, Mary? I'm curious to hear, because I feel like you're actually much more involved. Why are we talking about our <laughs> trash talking? Score? No. <laughs> um, no, it's true. I mean, I feel like trash talking. I'm going to. I Okay. It has been said about me that I am an instigator and I can't imagine why. I really like to just like, you know, poke a little for fun, for my own private entertainment. Mm. And, you know, maybe I have gotten better about like knowing who can handle it and like also the people who know that I'm doing it because it's like not a shitty mean thing, but like, a Mm. you know. Ha, which sounds really mean as I'm saying this out loud on a podcast, but that's fine. Um, 
but I think there is something about that because like generally when when I tend to behave that way like when I notice myself doing that it's like because there's like some energy that I want to break up mm. and maybe that's also just like um Uranus right like you know there's like something there about the shakeup that if things continue on in this way it's just stagnant and it feels like you know there needs to be a little like elbow thrown in to like rib like elbow to the ribs kind of thing yeah and I guess it goes back to what we were saying earlier with the like if I express myself without like reining it in in appropriate uh, an appropriate and like well put together way um then my message won't be received well but mm -hmm. like I shouldn't this is fine it's like I don't always believe this to be true but I think in some ways I aspire to allow myself to behave this way that it's not so much about making sure that other people hear me perfectly but like making sure that I know I can say and speak for myself and my experience and just like let that be enough instead of worrying about the secondary part of the other person because I can't control them like I can't control how somebody else takes that and it doesn't mean that I shouldn't give a shit yeah. but it also means that I shouldn't like put that over like that shouldn't supersede the pure expression of whatever energy wants to move through this is so such an incredible teaching moment actually mary because your mars right in capricorn is very close to uranus i just checked like it's like within five degrees away and i think that's your mars uranus conjunction speaking because and and you know i also have mars in capricorn right but my mars is really close to saturn so i have a totally different approach uh, to this my mars mm. in saturn is like sometimes i feel like mm, it's kind of like built up tension. <laughs> My experience with Mars is always built up tension because I, it feels to me like it's important. It's of the utmost importance that I wield it with responsibility. Mm. And sometimes I have been learning that I need to really do a lot of internal work around like, is this even my responsibility? Uh-huh. And I think living in an entangled universe, in an entangled universe, and having come from a um, collectivistic society where I was hurt by the collective not making space for respecting individual differences, I mm -hmm. absolutely think that it is my responsibility. I'm not saying it's anybody mm -hmm. else's responsibility. Yeah. But yeah. for me and my lived experience, like really crafting how this is going to land as best as I can without mm -hmm. getting into freeze response is really important. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I understand that this is not the case for everyone, but it's like, I can see it in my chart and it's like, totally, you know, it's like, cause Uranus is so far away from, <laughs> from like my Mars that I feel like I'm like, mm. but seeing your Mars being so close to Uranus is very, it's probably a very different experience of Mars and Capricorn. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's interesting. Like, for me growing up in a big family, I think in some ways that is my experience of being in like a so-called collectivist <laughs> sort of space because there is this like energy of the group that is mm -hmm. like its own thing. Like mm -hmm. families that are that big have like a spirit in itself. And so 
Yeah, I I think this is a really important point to bring up about like seeing a person and like reading the energy of a person when you're looking at somebody's chart because yeah, like one size of course does not fit all, but especially mm-hmm. when it's like why does your Mars get expressed in this way? Like only you know, but it's like everything this is all just like your invitation in this lifetime so like of course I can't um like even though you and I have all of those same placements it's like oh I can see how that comes out in that way Mm -hmm. and I also see how like you're welcome for being that friend who will also break up your stagnant energy that you have built with your Saturn yes Yes, exactly, Mary. And I think it also makes me think about like how there are different brands and different flavors and different levels of trust, because it's like, on the one hand, I can really see like, what I admire about what you just shared about wanting to like, share this unfiltered expression of how you feel in that moment, is that I also hear that there is this trust of the inherent strength of the fabric of whatever it is that's holding us up, right? Like, even if Mm. I show up as this part of me that's a little bit raw, maybe, Mm -hmm. I trust that eventually life or reality will coalesce to create um, the perfectly right situations that lead us to exactly where we need to be. Mm -hmm. And, like, just because I let myself in quotes like go there it doesn't mean that you just become like this unhinged manic person like you don't Mm. forget everything that you ever were if anything Mm -hmm. like the re like the reasons that we have those tendencies to be like oh i need to do this in the right way is like i mean in my experience anyway is like totally about security and safety it's Mm. like i have to do this so that i am not like harmed or whatever like whatever the thing is and it, like, what would you do if you knew you were safe? Like, what would you do? It doesn't mean that I'm going to, like, go out murdering people. It just means that I'm not going to, like, worry about my safety in that same way. Mm. Mm. This is so important. I feel like even in me, so I was telling you that I recently get back into Pilates, like, really kind of working with my body, you know, not just Pilates, but just, like, movements, getting back into my body letting myself push my edges, like my physical body edges a little bit. What I've noticed is that it is really important sometimes to understand the range that is possible to us so that we can know that our defaults lie somewhere in the middle of that range. Mm -hmm. And there's Mm -hmm. actually a lot of options for us. And, And I think this is what we often lack relationally in my opinion just in general as a culture because what I've noticed about American culture being someone who didn't grow up in this culture is that there is an overemphasis on comfort and an over-reliance it's almost like it's weird to me how comfort is so highly priced in in America and Mm -hmm. I don't Mm -hmm. know if this has to do with like because you know There are a lot of theories about this, but one of the uh, birth charts of America is as a cancer rising, right? Mm -hmm. And we know that Mm -hmm. America is July 4th, which is also cancer sun, right? So there is something very cancerian, I think, about the American culture. 
And I think other cultures, like for example, if you've been to Germany and you've hung out with German friends, like German friends are can be very rough for the American sensibility. Like they just say, like, I disagree. You know, like mm-hmm. in, in ways that are really rough for us in, in the US. For us, like if we want to say we disagree, we're like, I can see your point. Blah, 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 yeah. blah. And then but, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> we're very in in a way like accommodating of like um the potential discomfort that can come up from conflicts, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's really fabulous, especially having come from like a place where that's not the case, where people just don't give a shit or like people just make an assumption about like, oh, this is just the way it needs to be. You know, I think it's very considerate for people to be considering other people's comfort. But I also think about like, what do we lose up? You know, like if we continue to paint with the color of comfort, what are we missing out on in terms of the other palettes that are available to us? And mm-hmm. can we stretch our uh, spectrum of capacity around like comfort discomfort? And what happens if we let discomfort be present? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, this is making me think about manners and how it's just so funny the things that we decide are like polite or impolite. Mm-hmm. And these are all rules we, on some level, it's like we agree to these things because it helps things move along like cohesively you know like when I go to a person's house I like these are the things that I do because if every time it was different it's like if sometimes I go to somebody's house and I bring them like a goat or whatever and then other times I bring them flowers it's like no can we just like have a consistent like if you go to somebody's house these are like for dinner or whatever Mm. it's like there are like rules of engagement or something and Mm -hmm. and it's like the comfort where it's like, oh, I've done this thing that was like inappropriate. I brought them a goat. This is so embarrassing. I mean, maybe a goat's like a good thing to give somebody if they really like goat meat or goat milk. I don't know. Whatever. That's not the point. You know what I mean? It's like the times that you're like, oh my God, I'm so embarrassed. I like didn't do the right thing or I didn't bring mm-hmm. anything. It It's like that um, misattributing uh the thing you did as like again that like it's not just discomfort it's like then you bring it to and now I have like been bad and like Mm. it it turns into like shame or something around that too right And, and so like when we have these like manners that teach us how to interact with people um we can like protect ourselves from being offensive and being offended but then like the ways that like if people go outside of that it's assumed that like this person is like a bad person because they Mm. didn't know the rules but if it's somebody like you where it's like oh well I didn't grow up here it's like oh well this is the way we do things here Mm -hmm. even though I'm sure if I went to Indonesia you'd be like here are the ways that we do things here yeah yeah and that like I guess okay Again, it always comes back to like ontology, right? Because mm-hmm. then you remember that like this is all just kind of a relative experience and none of it Absolutely. really matters. Mm-hmm. Like Absolutely. I mean, something that I've always found really incredibly surprising in um looking at my American friends, and this is a, a gross overgeneralization, right? Is that like Americans can be very accommodating towards strangers, you know, and towards people that they don't know. However, 
y'all shout at your moms <laughs> you call your moms by by her first name and then we're like what that is insane like i would never do that because if i do that like oh my mom will beat my ass you know oh i'd like to see that <laughs> um yeah that is true yeah like there's a certain level of and and this is also what i noticed like as someone who grew up in i would say this is pretty much probably a pretty universal experience in asia we have very different ways of being with older people versus with mm. people who are or people of positions of authority versus people mm-hmm. our age and you know it it ranges right um like when when we're speaking about manners like it really ranges like in indonesia actually we we use different vocabularies talking to our peers mm. versus talking to the teacher or talking to someone who's a little bit older we call them with different like honorifics right and um we absolutely i mean this is what i noticed actually which doesn't always translate to the us but like i remember when i was in college i would speak to my professor in a different tone like some of my friends would be like why are you talking like that you know like you sound different than when you're chatting with us in the cafeteria and i'm like of course i sound different what are you talking about you know i don't understand why you would do the same like why would you use the same tone mm, you know but mm-hmm. i think that's not the ontology in the us it, mm-hmm. like there's this whole idea about like authenticity and we're supposed to be the same with everybody and i don't think it's right or wrong it's just really interesting mm-hmm. to notice the difference mm-hmm. yeah now I'm thinking about like how do where did how we, do we come get here? from? Yeah, <laughs> we were talking about comfort. I think we're talking well, about comfort oh, and discomfort. <laughs> yeah, and how there's this thing about like if these rules are broken, that it doesn't mean you're like unsafe. I guess I I guess my question would be like okay so when you just gave that example of like um of course i'm speaking in a different tone like what did you think would happen if you didn't like was it also just kind of a like oh i just couldn't imagine there was another possibility because that just didn't occur or were you like i must do this because blah 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 will happen if not yeah i think it's a confluence of different reasons i would say that one of them is like upbringing like that's just how you were raised so you it's like for example i notice people do not interrupt in the us or like interrupting can be seen as extremely offensive which it's it's not in my culture like you mm. interrupt anytime and in fact like interrupting is a signal of engagement like mm-hmm. if you are not interrupting like my dad when he calls me he would be like do you get it and i'm like yeah i get it like i've been here i'm listening to you what are you talking about but it's almost like he wants you to be like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. oh yeah but mm-hmm. you know like without that kind of lively interaction it almost feels like if i were just to talk to myself why would i be talking to you yeah <laughs> Whereas, like, in the us people love to monologue and this is so funny mary because i would be on calls with my colleagues in the uk and people would interrupt each other all the time. It's a little jarring, actually. Sometimes I have to be like, I'm not done yet. You know, <laughs> like, let me finish my thought, you know. And, and and people don't even see that as like me being offended, actually. People are like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, okay, now you're finishing your thought. 
Yeah, it's yeah. So weird, but it's like this is such a different culture, and I think, I think a lot of it is culture. A lot of it, I don't think for me it's so much about fear, but I think for me it's more about connection. Actually, like I want,、mm-hmm. like when I try、oh, to talk、yeah. in a certain way to people in positions of authority, it's because I want them to know that I respect them, and I want them to feel free in expressing that part of them that is an authority. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does.、Um, it it's making me think about how, like, we do that with different friendships, you know, or like we do still do that. Like, even though I don't have like a whole different language set for、mm-hmm. certain roles or positions or whatever, I mean, I think the most that people will do is call people Mister or Misses. Is like. The most it seems, but、um, there is this sense of like, oh, when I really know a person, like maybe it's because we're so like obsessed with the individual that、mm. there's like this, you know, I have to behave a certain way when I'm wanting Jonathan to feel respected and heard, and then、mm. I behave a different way when I want my partner to feel respected and heard,、mm-hmm. and I behave a different way when I want to feel like I'm showing my parents that or whatever, and so. Maybe it's like we are still doing that, but our version of it is less external,、mm-hmm. and so then it seems like it's not happening because it's not like given that material form out in the world, and because、yeah. we don't value that subtlety because we're so much about like the individual voice that you、mm-hmm. can't like think beyond that. But we are、mm-hmm. doing it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so fascinating. I love this conversation, and I feel like. Before we recorded, I was telling you, Mary, that what I love about our conversations is that I never know where we end up. Like the destination is always unknown. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like maybe we're kind of coming to a close.、Um, I'm curious what's coming up for you here, sort of at the end. It is funny. I'm trying to think like. What is the thread when I look back on all of this? But maybe it is like we were talking in the beginning about belonging. You、yeah. know, like all、yeah. of this is really about relating and belonging and、mm-hmm. feeling like comfortable in our own skin, and also、mm-hmm. knowing when it's time to like shed that skin. Yeah, and that even when there is discomfort around something, that it's that necessary thing to、mm-hmm. know. It's like it. <laughs> I don't know why this example just came to me. Is like, you know, when you're like, oh, it's time for like, like new clothes. Like,、mm-hmm. oh, I got, oh God, like the feeling of like taking off wet jeans. Ew. But like, it is also so refreshing when you're like, oh, this is gonna be really uncomfortable. But then you are like, oh, thank God, I like got into my fresh comfies, and it feels so like cozy again. But you、mm-hmm. have to go through that like initial potential chafing. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know, know to quote、saying. your dad, do you know what I mean, or、you、whatever what I mean. it was that he said. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, do you get it? Do you get it? Yeah, do you get it? <laughs> um, this is what it's making me think of. Actually, it's making me wonder because there is this idea. I think if you've been around the block in like the spiritual healing complex, uh, where. It's almost like the change begins with you, which I absolutely believe. And also, I wonder if. I wonder if 
this division that we create between us and the outside world is just an illusion, you know? Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean you don't need to work on yourself. But yeah. it means that who you are is a mirror to the outside world and the outside world is a mirror to yourself. And it's like, there is this conversation that's always happening. This is just my son in seventh house now going mm-hmm. on, you know, a little uh, sermon. But Oh, I get it. I get it. <laughs> but it's like, I feel that it's so re- let, let me put it this way there is a point in my healing where it was really necessary for me to believe that i can do my healing alone that what i need to do is go into my cave and heal myself within my cave in isolation of the world there was a moment when mm-hmm. that was really important because I was, and I think in that moment for me personally, I was in a space where I was feeling so incredibly unsafe in all of the different ways that I've shown up in the world. That it almost feels like I have to just be by myself because otherwise I cannot trust all these other facets of me that show up in the world. Does that make sense? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't trust Mm -hmm. the part of me that's like an employee going to my day job. I don't trust this part of me who's talking to this friend because who knows? Is that me or is that people pleasing, you know? And Mm -hmm. you're constantly unsafe being out in the world because you have been operating from this space of persona, right? Like, this is Mm -hmm. the persona I've put myself into. And then it's kind of the persona has taken a life of its own and then it's kind of doing its own thing. So there was a moment where it feels really important for me and my cancer parts of self to be a hermit, to not really talk to the outside world. Mm -hmm. And then it starts to be the case where that feels really itchy and that feels really unsafe for me because that's not the point of why I want to heal. The point of why I want to heal, I'm just talking about Jonathan here, is I want to participate. I want to feel good. Mm -hmm. Like I want to party, you know? Like I don't want to just be like in my room alone. Like, mm-hmm. no, that's not my Jupiter in Cancer in the 11th yeah, house, you know, yeah. like, I want to have friends, like, I want to, I want to celebrate people, I want to be celebrated by people, I want to have that exchange. So it feels important then for me to be like, figuring out how to take this outside, right? And how do, if I'm trying to heal myself, what does that mean for the world? What does it mean for me to be someone in their healing path walking out and about in the world how can Mm -hmm. i impact the world and how how can i let the world impact me because i think this is something that's been coming up in different conversations with different people too where there's something about how we um i think part of part of how we know that we are increasing our capacity is also that we let other people impact us like mm, mm-hmm, last mm-hmm. night, Mary, you were alluding a little bit to this. You were sending me a message about how, you know, certain conversations activated you. And, you know, for me, it feels important that I don't just stay in this in this realm of being like, okay, yeah, I get you, Mary. I feel, I feel you as your friend, but keep your problems outside of my field. Like, that's mm-hmm. not enough for me. Yeah. And like boundaries... Enough. Yeah, like there's always that thing of boundaries. Uh, how do I want to say this? It's like if you're so worried about maintaining the boundaries to protect yourself, you're also maintaining the boundaries that like inhibit you from connection. That's it. 
And that's That's always like my seventh house Scorpio feelings of like, at some point, you also have to like, let people be there for you. And then when they are, you also build capacity. It's like every time that you let yourself live in a way that's like beyond just survival to a point of like, actually enjoying and as you said, celebrating, like, getting to that point that like, that's that's just like living in trust, right? Like to know that there's actually a point in me talking to somebody about it and not just silently stewing or like silently visualizing, strangling, mm-hmm. et cetera. Not that I am, you know, I'm not going to murder anyone. Jesus. Not in this lifetime. Not Probably. In this lifetime. I don't know. God, is this a terrible, please take this off, Jonathan. <laughs> Or don't. I don't think I... so. I don't think so, Mary. <laughs> I mean, maybe if you want to take it off, but I will oh, just say okay. I don't see you. I don't see you um, killing anyone anytime soon. Okay. Okay. But anytime I think the feeling, the, the, the feeling <laughs> of wanting to strangle someone is a very real feeling, and it's a frustration that I think we deserves our loving gaze. You know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you. That's how I see. Um... It. <laughs> This has been very fun. I'm glad that we did this. Do you feel so. do you feel like uh, there's anything else you want to add? Do you feel complete? I just want to say that if anyone's listening to this and anyone got this far, um, <laughs> we would really love to receive a review from you. Um, if you like it, if you like our conversation, if if you like our uh, meaningful meanderings, you know, yeah. Share us with your friends. Let us be your friends' next best friends so that you don't have to uh, carry all that emotional burden for them. Oh, thanks for uh, doing that, Jonathan, because I always feel like we're like, oh, yeah, this is a podcast. It's not us just like talking uh, as we often do. And (laughs) though it kind of is like this is just us. This is how we are all the time. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. The Mary and Jonathan show for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you for being my friend, Jonathan. Thank you for being my friend, Mary. I love you. I love you too. <laughs> <laughs>